0: Hello and welcome to the I Am A Health Visitor podcast. I'm Jenny. And I'm Amy. So today we're talking about um, an article in our our favourite newspaper it seems for health related articles, The Guardian. Yeah, I promise we don't only read The
1: Guardian. To be honest, I don't really read any newspaper regularly. So it is coincidental that the last few news articles we've picked up seem to be the guardian
0: i think it does say something about the uh, quality of the guardians health reporters though Uh, although this was actually from their environmental editor um Mm -hmm. and it was something which i think immediately a lot of people saw and shared quite widely with a bit of a kind of (gasps) um because it's talking about microplastics and talking about how bottle-fed babies swallow millions of microplastics a day, so the headline says. Mm -hmm. Um, As we all know with these things, there's always a lot more to them, and Amy's our lady to find the more to them, if there is anything more (laughs) to them. Well,
1: so, okay, I'm quite interested in this topic anyway, because, as you know, my husband is really into... um, energy eco energy research so he's like quite an environmental type of a person and yeah so it's kind of an area of interest for him so I took it on to thinking I'll do this topic and and I started by saying oh rich you know we're covering this on the podcast you know give me a little um, education on microplastics what do I need to know you know give me the basics and he was basically like talked for a few minutes and then went but you know it's not really my area of specialty so I'm really looking forward to hearing the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So I mean I the only bits of
0: microplastics I know about already are um, from um, belonging to a very lovely WI down in southeast London Um, Uh and it was something which was on the sort of the WI radar of resolutions and things oh, and a right. lot about um clothing and how yes it's getting yeah that into microplastics are getting into the the sort of the water from washing yeah. machines and tumble dryers and things
1: yeah um, so i now have read more chemistry than i care to enjoy to be very honest <laughs> i hated chemistry at school this is not my specialty folks okay so that being said i am not a chemist i am a health visitor And I have done my best with this topic, (laughs) Um, but I have enjoyed reading about it, and I've definitely learned a lot. So I'm hoping I can pass on a little bit of that learning. Um, And you know, you know, I don't claim to be an expert on microplastics, and far from it. But I don't think we need to be, to be honest. It's like any of these things. You know, there's there's always far more to know than you're ever gonna kind of. You're always only scratching the surface, aren't you? But yeah. Um. You know, I think I can at least give people an overview, first of all, of what microplastics are, why we care about them, you know, should we be worried about them.
0: And because I see Um, it's being said that they're found everywhere now, even in the Arctic and things. It's amazing how widely spread it
1: is. Basically, what they're defined as is, I mean, there's a very complex definition here. Synthetic solid particles or polymeric
0: Matrices
1: with a regular or irregular shape and with size ranging from one nanometer to five millimeters of either primary or secondary manufacturing origin, which are insoluble in water. So, I'm gonna like just digest that to mean bits of stuff, but right, ranging from from one nanometer to five millimeters.
0: I sent me one
1: nanometer, they're all all man made. And they're all insoluble in water, so that's basically what you define a yeah. microplastic. I mean, one nan- it is a big range, yeah. Yeah,
0: one nanometer. I can't even envisage what that. Sorry, micrometers. Is.
1: Yeah, one micrometer to five millimeters. Yeah, sorry, I got that wrong. It's not a nanometer, It's a micrometer. So um, one micrometer is um naught point naught one millimeters. Wow. So okay. it's very
0: tiny. And I think that's the kind of scale that we're looking at, I'm guessing, for this study,
1: rather than the five millimetres, which would be quite noticeable. I yeah, think. Yeah, it'd be definitely noticeable in your baby's bottle, wouldn't it? I mean yeah. um I'm gonna sort of talk broadly, um, about microplastics and our ingestion of them and our and the impact that could potentially have on your health rather than specifically about this study, because as you'll see, this is the first study that demonstrates it in bottles, um yeah, babies' bottles, which is of course relevant, and of course headline grabbing, um, yeah but it's not surprising to find them there, really, given no. what we know about them okay, okay, cool um so yeah, so they're they're between one micrometer and five millimeters. Um, that's the size that they are um, and that size the size of them is quite important um, as we'll see but basically they're everywhere okay they've been found in food both adults food and children's food we find them in arctic snow rivers oceans mountain soil in tap water to the point that we now you know researchers and in the literature this era of history has been dubbed the plasticine because there's plastic literally everywhere. Okay? Yeah. And like you said, when you wash synthetic synthetic fabrics in the washing machine, it releases microplastics, and most modern filters don't filter them out, so they do just go straight into the water supply. Yeah. Um, food's encased in plastics, especially when you get single-use plastics, like, um, you know, film on top of on top of food that you peel back and throw away, the, the kind of soft plastic film, um, or like... A uh, classic example is water bottles, isn't it? Yeah, Everybody's heard that you're not supposed to use water bottles more than once and refill them and refill them because yes. as they degrade, they release the microplastic particles into the water. They're designed for single-use, yeah? hmm So single-use plastics are the worst, which, coincidentally, single-use plastics are just a general bad idea for the environment, aren't they? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's a load of... And I'll put some references about um, contamination of drinking water. old oh, plastic tea bags yeah of course yeah because most I didn't even know this until a few months ago because as I say like we're quite into like environmental stuff in our house and we always compost our tea bags and it wasn't until so we've got this big compost bin at the bottom of the garden and Rich was like I keep finding (laughs) tea bags in my compost and when we looked it up most tea bags even like fancy like you'd think you know like twining's tea bags yeah. or you know you get those tea pigs you know yeah. and they're yeah. like papery you know you think yeah. they look really environmentally friendly they're not they've still got plastic yeah. in yeah
0: them. well it's only there's a few brands now that do them without plastic in and it's only yeah. when they start saying now plastic free that you go yeah. hang on there was oh. plastic in there to begin with because exactly. as you said they feel so papery you don't yeah.
1: realize
0: you wouldn't really there know
1: no but apparently, this article has found that steeping one tea bag at approximately 95 degrees, so you boil the kettle, you pour it into your mug, yeah. it releases 11.6 billion microplastics. Slimey. And 3.1 billion nanoplastics. So, nanoplastic is smaller than one micrometer um, into each cup of tea, every single cup Cheese. of tea that we have. So, if you're not using plastic free tea bags, that's you know you're you're drinking 11.6 billion microplastics in a cup of tea every time I, you make i one. almost
0: feel and i know those who know me and are absolute committed tea drinkers um it's time <laughs> to mention dave mundy again
1: um i can
0: imagine them always seeing me with a halo above my head now yeah, because yeah. i don't like tea or coffee i know you so don't. so i've never ne- i'm plastic free from
1: that point of view I'm a big tea drinker, you know. I'm like yeah. northern at heart, and every time you come, I'm like, "Do you want a cup of tea?" And you're always like, "Don't drink tea, Amy." No. And then every I'm time. often like,
0: "I brought a drink with me." <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. I actually got my Pepsi Max in my bag on fire Yeah. Although, saying so I have
0: moved on to using cans instead of bottles because I do feel like they are more easy exactly. to
1: recycle and things. Yeah. Um, um and. So, you know, so, so basically, oh, the other thing is about food, like we there's also been an article that estimated we ingest around eighty grams of microplastics per day from fruit and vegetables because the soil that we grow our fruit and vegetables in is polluted with microplastics, slimy, so I mean that's that's quite a lot, eighty grams. I was like, excuse me, if you ask me to eat eighty grams of something, that's like a quantity of something it's not like. You know, 80 grams is, is a significant yeah. amount. Yeah. Um, so, oh, and they're well documented in marine species, which we then eat. So basically, we know that there is a lot of plastic in our food and drink. We already know that, all of us.
0: we do that already
1: so i don't say all of that to be alarmist you know i'm not saying like oh my god they're everywhere panic stations everybody immediately eat food only prepared in your own garden even that wouldn't work i don't know yeah because everybody plastic in the soil yeah no that's not what i'm saying i suppose the reason i'm saying it is because the point is not that we have found microplastics that's not surprising the point is should we be worried about microplastics yeah So this is what I've tried to look into a little bit more. Um, so given that we know that we're ingesting them, we know that they're in the food we eat, we've also found them in human stools. human poo. Yeah. So we know that, like, they're in poo. So it is plausible that... The next question is, do we actually absorb them into our system? You know, do they, are they absorbed systemically? Um. There is a percentage of microplastics that are small enough to cross the gastrointestinal epithelium. Right. Yeah, Um, and they say that an even smaller fraction than that are estimated to be small enough to pass into organs, cellular membranes and cross the blood-brain barrier and the placenta. So size really matters with these microplastics. Um, you know, so, it doesn't so matter. So they what could size actually be ingesting
0: plastics via the placenta in pregnancy.
1: Yeah. Fly me. Yeah. Blimey. yeah. Um, the best estimate that we've got and, and what I would also say about all of this is it's very new science. This is yeah. all really, really cutting edge stuff. Yeah. So basically none of the references on my list are older than I think my oldest, my oldest reference is twenty eighteen. Right. I mean, literally, they're all really, really current. This is stuff that's being published every month. So, you know, all of this is said with a a pinch of we don't really know a lot about it at the moment. No. But what we do know, you know, I'm just giving you the best estimate of what we do yeah. know, the best kind of review of what we do know. Um. And at the minute, our best estimate is that the human excretory system should be responsible for removing up to 90% of micro and nanoplastics that are ingested. Okay. Okay. So microplastics, if you remember, are the ones that go down to um, one micrometre, which is 0.001 millimetres. Yeah. Yeah, so anything smaller than that is a nanoplastic. And it's this this Smith et al. um, article is estimating and i think that is based on expert opinion really rather than anything else um but the best estimates are that the human excretory system should be responsible for removing up to 90 percent of the micro and nanoplastics that we ingest okay so the majority we're going to pull it out yeah okay um some of it is small enough so anything smaller than 20 micrometres So you remember microplastics go down to one micrometre. Yeah. So anything between 20 micrometres and one micrometre would be able to penetrate organs. Mm -hmm. But
0: I'm guessing this is like organs of adults. Yes.
1: I'm just
0: thinking about how in babies, particularly under six months old, we talk about the gut... um, be permeability permeable more permeable
1: yeah that is one of the that is one of the things that people have talked about in terms of concern around um, infant exposure to plastics because obviously as i say this is all so new and the science is only telling us what we can only base our decision making on what we know so far from the science yeah i mean i'm not gonna lie to you I did find this quite alarming when I was reading for this. Yeah. Like in the sense that I think there's a lot we don't know about it and there is potential for serious harm to be being caused here. Yeah. You know, there certainly is. Um, those things, those microplastics that are 10 micrometres or less could cl- cross the blood-brain barrier and could cross the placenta. So... Um, Of course, there's a few steps here, yeah? So the first step is, do we ingest them? I think we can say confidently we do ingest them. The second step from that is, can we absorb them systemically? And I think we can say fairly plausibly, yes, we almost certainly do absorb some of them systemically. So they make it into our bloodstream. And then from our bloodstream, I think we can say, yes, plausibly, a small proportion of them again can make it into our organs, can cross the blood-brain barrier, can cross yeah. into the placenta. Um, the next stage on from there is what harm can they do? Yeah. Okay, because it's all very well knowing that they cross the barrier and knowing that they get into our organs, but really, it's why is that important? I mean, obviously, there's like a kind of reflex, isn't there? We all feel yeah. uncomfortable when we hear about it because... Yeah. The idea of plastic being in your organs and crossing your blood brain barrier oh, doesn't seem like a great idea, no. does it? No,
0: no, definitely not.
1: <laughs> no, it doesn't sit massively comfortably. No,
0: um, and of course, I mean, First Steps Nutrition, who we always signpost to and who we rely on a lot for information, yeah. um, they retweeted the article when it was originally done. Yeah, um, they suggest that they, they don't need to change um, from the point of view of. The powder still needs to be made up with water that is 70 degrees yeah but that you know the researchers have suggested using a non-plastic container
1: yeah. um
0: and then someone commented on their tweet which i thought was quite interesting saying about how there are glass bottles now available
1: yeah there are and yeah. actually
0: the weight of these can be really helpful from the point of view of paste feeding which i'd not thought about yeah. and how actually because it's that bit heavier you're more aware of it Mm-hmm. And that you can actually look at the baby for signs, you know, sort of hold the bottle a bit more horizontal, let the baby take their time and things.
1: Yeah. And the other thing about glass bottles, I was going to talk about alternatives, like possible alternatives for yeah. parents. And glass bottles is definitely one of them. So if if it was something that you had a parent that was really worried.
0: I have a few ideas for alternatives. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> sure, yeah. I know you do. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, if they are already formula feeding and have no plans to change that.
0: Oh, yeah, no, completely. Then,
1: then you know, glass you know, bottles then could be... Glass bottles or even could if be one option. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing about that is, um, is they're harder for the baby to hold themselves, which is a good thing because, you know, you're less likely to see prop feeding or unsupervised feeding um of young babies, which yeah. you do see from time to time. With a glass bottle, you're less likely to see that, aren't you? You'd,
0: you'd hope so, but I just guarantee there would be some Facebook...
1: Oh yes, yeah, sure. Someone There'll be some device else.
0: that holds it yeah. for you. Yeah, thing. Um, anyway, yeah. Anyway, anyway, I would hope that it would make some consider. Yeah, again, I mean, the thing is, before we said, yeah, formula feeding isn't the easy option. No,
1: yes, it's
0: no. a really difficult thing to weigh up to tally up, and I think it's interesting how it's not so widely known or not so widely considered about the environmental impact of formula feeding. Yeah. Anyway. Um, and with something like this as well it does just make me want to say get yeah get proper feeding support antenatally sure get that chance to really talk through what your goals are how to achieve those goals how to yeah. work towards them and because yeah so it's that, like yeah I, I have a child who who end up can't be fed from a very early age so yeah it's that thing of I do think oh my god you know have I exposed her to lots of
1: plastic and well, look, possibly more so than my son but well look um, look, Jen, I think um this is a classic example because I think probably what health visitors are coming up against, if anyone has heard this from a parent, which I'm sure there will be some people that have, um it will be with worry and fear because yeah. of course, it sounds very scary when we talk about these numbers, you know, these things are tiny, so of course we're talking about huge numbers when yeah. we're talking about what we're ingesting, yeah, um, but the thing to remember is we don't have currently good evidence of harm that can be caused by them so there are theories and concerns obviously about this so you know clearly the the chemicals that are in these um plastics um there's concerns about impacts from not only just the physical properties of the plastic so the size of the plastic the shape the length of it and what that would mean if it was in if it was ingested into an organ, if it was yeah. um, absorbed into an organ, transferred across, um. But also the chemical properties of the actual plastic itself, so the presence of additives, particularly polymer, which type of polymer is used, um, um, and the concentration of those chemicals, as well as microbial biofilm growth, which I guess is like a, but I mean, I suppose what it says on the tin, like a, a bugs biofilm that grow on plastic, growth <laughs> on the plastic, yeah. yeah. Um, Which, you know, they are theoretical concerns, yeah? Yeah. Um, We know, for example, that the the chemicals that are used in the production of these plastics um, are toxic, are considered toxic, yeah? So they're toxic chemicals. Um, We don't know, however, how those toxic chemicals absorb or desorb from microplastics so we know that the chemical itself if you were to drink it the one that's being used in the microplastic in the production of that microplastic we know that that chemical itself if you were to drink it which would be not advisable it would be toxic okay but once it is actually in the in the plastic or the polymer what we don't know is how it transfers out of that again and whether it is then toxic in that form does that make sense yeah so there's 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 some leaps there's some steps there that need to be properly investigated yes um there is also new legislation that's coming in um there's been some eu legislation since june 2011 which limits the amount of chemicals we know to be toxic um included in the manufacture of children's toys and products designed for infants to mouth such as Dummies, bottles and teats, cutlery, food storage for children, you know, all those plastic things that you imagine children are going to be chewing on and putting yes. in their mouth. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that legislation has just been extended in July 2020, so this year is brand new, and in that legislation includes almost all plastic manufacturing. Okay. Yeah. So it is Sorry, I, no-
0: I nodded then instead of oh, yeah. actually saying yes. Yeah, it's, it's like, I just forget that we're actually recording a podcast at times. Yeah. Oh, I definitely
1: <laughs> don't want to record a video version of this. I would never be able to do it in my pajamas again, which would be a big problem for me. Um, yeah, so they're, they're limiting the toxic chemicals um, that are allowed to be included, which seems like a sensible thing to do, um, given that we don't know how much of these toxins actually are able to get into our system and what harm they're able to do when they're there yeah. um, but we are dependent on the legislation being followed and there are apparently 206 reported cases of toys that contained phthalates in 2018 uh-huh. so I mean obviously it's only this legislation is only as good as people actually doing all this are supposed yeah. to um, I might need I mean, to add yeah.
0: apologies for any noise that anyone can hear it sounds like someone's scratching and things outside it's the beginning of the Christmas holes. My son is outside of the door playing, no <laughs> doubt, some variation on football. So. <laughs> Excellent. Good work. <laughs> yeah, Guest appearances I can't, by I can't stay hidden. I try and hide and they always find me. <laughs> <laughs> Track you, <down. laughs> you wait. You wait. It will happen to you. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. Absolutely. <laughs>
0: oh, dear. Um... Mm. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I kind of said my my piece already, really, that I had around this and my concerns around it. But also it seems like the, the researchers came up with uh, ideas of how to minimise this, which I mean, completely go against
1: all of the advice we have on making formula up. <laughs> well, and also, have these researchers ever had a baby? Clearly not. I mean, they are insane if they think parents of... Babies are going to be able to do the suggestions that they made. Yeah, um, um... you know they've said they've said the alternative to reduce leaching is to rinse sterilized bottles with cold boiled water, which has been boiled in a non-plastic container at least three times, and then to mix the formula in a non-plastic container before transferring it to the bottle, and I mean, never to, to shake fair... the bottle vigorously yeah. at any time.
0: I mean, to be fair, the making it up in something non-plastic that bit I can kind of see because I mean I remember in my days a, a, as a healthcare global. assistant mm-hmm. in the milk kitchen on the ward I was working on mm-hmm. making up the bottles of prescription milk but and volume milk mm-hmm. by the litre sort of for the whole day yeah. and you would have all this stuff so you would always mix you could mix it in another bowl and then decant it back into the the water bottles
1: sure Um, but how many parents do that at the minute oh yeah
0: no completely and actually as i recall it although we were using sterilized water it was cold we wouldn't actually boil it before (laughs) using it because hey the water sterilized um yeah yeah. just shows every now but then to be fair to me that was oh my god nearly 25 (laughs) years ago (laughs)
1: yeah hopefully not happening anymore
0: oh god my god no yes it was 25 years ago jeez oh my god i thought i was adding a bit on then for emphasis but no it was like yeah
1: (laughs) i'm so wonderful that's good we benefit of all those years of knowledge and experience (laughs) yeah
0: something like that (laughs) that or my imposter syndrome just says how on earth are you still blagging it girl
1: (laughs) nonsense you're not blagging it never a day in your life oh dear Mm. but yeah i just think that i think their suggestions really everywhere i looked all of the kind of advice, the NHS advice, First Steps Nutrition, even the actual formula companies themselves, they all say that you have to shake the bottle in order to dissolve dissolve the powder. So it goes against the current guidance. And also, I just think it's wildly ambitious to expect parents to be able to do this and to be able to keep the water temperature above 70 degrees. Oh, exactly. And I think, you know, as First Steps um, noted, and like you said, um, and I think it's a really important point, there is a fear that people hearing this headline about plastic leaching into formula bottles and and the reason being that the, the formula is mixed at such high temperatures, that, that is part of the reason why it leaches. You know, it's like the cup of tea. If it's mixed at a hot temperature, it's more likely to leach. But yeah. the worry with that is that parents will then mix at a lower temperature. Yeah. And I think the message to emphasise to parents that are worried about this is they absolutely still have to mix the formula at 70 degrees because whilst there may be possible harm from the plastics or microplastics that are then in the milk, there is certainly harm that was well evidenced and well documented and we know about that happens as a result of mixing formula at lower than 70 degrees. Oh no, completely. It's a case of like known risk versus potential risk there. Yeah. Um, And I think the plastics sound very scary um, yes. Yeah. But, you know, we need to bear in mind that we we we're still researching this. We don't have no. you know, although there are worries and theories why it would be a worry, um you know, we do need more evidence before we actually advocate mass change. Yeah. For, I mean, anything. we're not we're
0: not seeing health problems in anyone at the moment widely no. that is immediately due to
1: microplastics in the body, are we? And formula feeding, you know, in its current sort of format, I suppose, using plastic bottles, has been around for quite a while now. Yeah. So it's not like it's a new phenomenon that we haven't had yeah. a chance for those babies to grow up. No, suppose... and if
0: anything, we've got a generation, I mean, we've, we, I mean, well, we've got a, a formula feeding culture, strong culture in this country, yeah. who've been through all of the, the bottles and teats with what would now be seen as the dangerous chemicals. Yes. So yeah, if anything yeah. serious was to come of it, then yeah, we would be yeah. surely seeing evidence of it already.
1: Yeah, so I think a healthy dose of common sense, but bearing in mind that you know this is something that is likely to emerge and there is likely to be evidence of at least some level of harm being caused. These are not natural chemicals that are naturally occurring in our environment um, yeah. and we are ingesting them and they are small enough to cross into organs and to cross into the placenta and cross the blood-brain barrier. So, you know, there's a potential, there is certainly a potential harm there. And this paper was important because the any harm that is there is likely to be dose-dependent. So yeah. the more you ingest, the more risk there is of harm. Yeah. So that's why it's important, because it's suggesting higher levels of microplastic ingestion than we previously thought was yes. happening. Yeah. Um, because nobody had really thought about the microplastics in preparation of formula feeds. Um, so, yeah, if par- yeah. if you have parents that are really worried, um, you can buy glass bottles now. Yeah. They look very similar to the plastic ones. You know, I've looked at them on my, you know, little research, that you can get them in all the same shape. You wouldn't know from the photo online that they're glass versus wow. plastic. They look exactly the same. They don't look like a milk bottle, <laughs> you know, like from like that. I was imagining like a, you know... Old-fashioned milk bottle shape, you know? Yeah. The doorstep. Put on your doorstep for the local <laughs> milkman. You know, that kind of shape. They don't look like that. They look like a normal baby bottle.
0: Oh, crumbs! Um, yeah,
1: because actually some of the big brands have already got in on it. All of them, yeah. I, I think they are quite widely available now. Um, you can get them on, I mean, every major site that you want to look. Yeah. You can even buy bottles on the market now which attach to breast pumps. glass bottles that are attached to breast pumps you can buy glass bottles that are dishwasher safe ones that are safe to use with boiling water ones that can go straight in the freezer you know you really you can you can put them in the dishwasher you can put them in the freezer you can put them in the um you can use them with boiling water you know so all of the traditional drawbacks of glass bottles that you would think of They've managed to come around in the manufacturing yeah. now. It's, they've been around for long enough and there is enough of a market already that they've, you know, got over those things. So Amazing. Um, the reviews I've read have been pretty good. They tend to be very durable, apparently. Yeah. Because I suppose you're worried about them breaking. That would be a big worry.
0: Yes, yeah. Um, but then... Um, I mean, you know. I mean, how often would you drop a baby's bottle anyway? <laughs>
1: I don't know, really.
0: So um, to round it up then, the key take-home messages are that Advice around making bottles up hasn't changed. We still need to use milk over 70 degrees. Um, And yes, we do need to shake the bottles to really get all the powder loosened up and everything. And then looking at cooling them down after that contact so that we know that the formula has um, actually been sterilised. There are glass bottles widely available now. Some of the big um, manufacturers of baby bottles are use uh are yeah. making glass versions and they're available very widely i mean i literally found them yeah, within you know, a quick yeah. google and there were all the top brands there straight away um and also yeah we have there is research around how much um, microplastics we're ingesting but there's still big question marks over what impact this
1: will have on our health long term yeah, yeah? yeah yeah exactly and I think watch this space really this is a really hot area of research at the moment there's papers being published every month all the time on this so this is something that we're going to see big progress in I think in the next couple of years certainly so and when that when we get better data on it we will of course come back to you but hopefully you know we we can we can produce another episode when we've got better data on it but hopefully that's enough to give health visitors to be for health visitors to be able to have an informed conversation with a parent about microplastics and what that means for their baby um
0: um so um just before we go you said that there's a few um myths that you want to go through with us
1: Just a couple of things that kind of muddy the water a little bit, yeah. I mean, a bit of confusion, really. Um, when you look in the press, particularly, and when you have conversations with lay people or maybe people that don't haven't heard a huge amount about microplastics but are a little bit alarmed by the concept, um, yeah. Firstly, you hear a lot of discussions of evidence about inhaled particles and inhaled microplastics okay Uh, so that's different from what we're talking about yeah yeah so we're talking about ingested microplastics so we eat them and you know they're obviously absorbed through the gastrointestinal tract but there is a lot of evidence about inhaled microparticles generally some of which will be microplastics so people have inhaled them and that has we do have better evidence of harm for inhaled microplastics, yes, yeah, and so inhaled micro particles—they go straight widely. onto the lungs and everything, don't they? So yeah, yeah. there are definitely lung impacts as a result, of yeah, that and that are quite well documented. So I think people can get those two things confused. So that's something to bear in mind. Yeah, and the other thing is that um, there's <laughs> a mix up between micro particles and microplastics, right? So there's a strong evidence of health risks from inhaled microparticles right but some of those microparticles may have plastic components but they also inform they also include other forms of environmental pollution as well so there are other pollutants out there that we're inhaling that we know to be harmful so not to confuse those two things firstly it's the root of administration if you like for want of a better word (laughs) (laughs) the root into the body either inhaled or ingested and secondly it's what you're actually inhaling or ingesting is it microparticles or is it microplastics yeah because microparticles we know covers a a multitude of sins really in terms of pollutants
0: yeah microparticles have been the news a lot with the inquiry into the death of girl in um, lewisham with asthma hasn't it oh okay that's yeah with the um the pollution and how big right. an impact that had and they've actually ruled that the pollution had a major
1: part in her her death due, gosh, I which said. was secondary to asthma gosh i didn't I, yeah. had, I hadn't heard of that case particularly but but certainly yeah i mean um that is something we know a lot more about. And there's more research emerging about how different environmental pollutants are released yes. into the atmosphere and yeah. how we need to limit them for health reasons. So those two things can be kind of discussed in tandem. Yeah. And so it's important to separate out those risks because I yeah. think, you know, they can seem very scary. Then Definitely. If you don't separate them out, it, it can seem. And often when you read news articles, they conflate them which is just confusing, I think, for people. Yeah. So, yeah, Oh that's the last thing I wanted to just draw.
0: (laughs) That's it. You'll be silent now for the rest of the
1: Yeah,
0: that's it. (laughs) Okay. Might as well just go now. I'll just do the rest on my own then. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I really hope that's been useful for you. Um, It's definitely been really interesting sort of being able to do a bit of a dive behind the, the headline and the story. So thank you, Amy, for... Looking into that for us.
1: Um, If anyone's a chemist and they're listening and they think, my God, she's talked a lot of nonsense, please write in because, you know, I'm doing my (laughs) best with what I've got.
0: Yes. If you'd like to cover this subject for us in the future, then please feel free. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, so if if you are a chemist wanting to complain about Amy's poor science um, or you've got any other questions and queries for us, then there are a multitude, a multitude of ways to get hold of us. Absolutely. Um, you can email us um, which is long form it's I am a health visitor written out in full at gmail.com obviously you don't have to add the written out in full bit in the email address that would be a bit too long um, or for our shorter snappier places we're on social media we're on Instagram at I am a hV we're on Twitter also at I am a hV um, or if you're still on Facebook we're on Facebook too Um i am a health visitor um i know we probably don't post as much on facebook as we do the other two but um mm. we still see your messages and we still know when you follow us and we appreciate it we so love like thank it. you yes yes um and yeah we'll let we'll we'll let you be for now we hope that you're all okay and uh yeah let us know just get in touch with us anything you want us to cover anything yeah. we've covered and you've really liked um we've had feedback um today from a parent who encountered a health visitor who um said that they had listened to our podcast with katherine stagg yeah. and that just made us do happy dances it really um, did it was I amazing love the idea that
1: you're all out there listening in and then actually going into visits yeah
0: and it's just like and yeah parents are appreciating that you've you've kind of you've listened and that you've taken on board things that have been said so we're really chuffed thank you um if you recognize yourself from that description um let us know because if there's anything we can do to help you do a reflection on it for your revalidation then we'd be very happy to to do something to help okay uh take care in the meantime guys signing off for now bye bye thanks for listening